Welcome to Teo Podcast, the Pandemic Press. I am your host, Rashmi Hepawasam, and today we, are spe- we have a special guest named Branch Isol. He's a spiritual author, and we are basically going to discuss what is this pandemic trying to teach us. Really pleased, you know, what you just said. The reason was because um, this coronavirus situation is just one of many things that are taking place in the world today that give us both the opportunity and the impetus to, you know, become more spiritual and to become more balanced in our life and to look for some answers, you know, beyond sort of the things that we're bombarded with by the media every day. Um, You know, Life, life is certainly more than that. And yet, because of our interconnectivity around the world, um, you know, things take on sort of an importance to us that oftentimes I think are blown out of proportion. You know, I mean, the coronavirus affects all of us one way or the other, but it affects some more than others. And um, although we make things very personal, you know, we often overlook any kind of the spiritual aspect of the event or, you know, what we're involved in. And where I come from, you know, in order to try and promote and live a balanced life, that means that spiritual, the spiritual pathway or that spiritual connectivity has to be part of that balance. Um, I find that it also gives us, the believer, uh, sort of a fallback position and somewhere else to go when we become overwhelmed, you know, with the, the things in our lives that sort of take all of our focus and, and <clears throat> enmesh us in the world. And yet, you know, we struggle with those things and there is another outlet, another answer for us. And that's in our spiritual base, whatever that may be. Um, can you so tell I me? Appreciate- yeah, yes. So can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Because I would be putting you on the video like YouTube as well and the podcast on Apple, Spotify. And yeah. Sure. Um, well, I, like many other people, uh, especially in, you know, our society, uh, I grew up in a middle-class lifestyle, and <clears throat> my parents, uh, my dad was in the military, so I traveled around quite a bit growing up, so I was blessed that I was, you know, in contact with a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of different kinds of cultures, but um, after college, I went into the corporate world. And I was a teacher for a while. I taught high school and middle school. And then I went into the corporate world from there into educational sales and did that for many years. And then when I left that endeavor, 
Um, I got into the world of entrepreneurship and was involved with uh, four different startup companies. And all along that, that path, you know, I was living the world's way and um, trying to take advantage of as many opportunities as I could, but always sort of self, self-focused. Um, <clears throat> then I had some, a couple of things that um, got me onto a spiritual path, and I studied um, several different spiritual and faith beliefs. Uh, sort of compare and contrast, trying to find, you know, what my belief system aligned with and where I wanted to go in my life. And, and eventually that brought me to a more spiritual than religious path. And um, then I was motivated to write my first book um, about um, people looking for, you know, spiritual faith and spiritual paths. And so my first book was actually a compare and contrast um, religions and spiritual beliefs. <coughs> Pardon me. So that anyone who is in that dilemma of, you know, trying to fulfill this need that they might have psychological or, or um, spiritual need to learn more, but weren't sure which path worked for them, I tried to give them sort of a layman's analysis of different spiritual beliefs and religions so that they have foundation of all eight current spiritual beliefs and religions. And then they could pick and choose which one, you know, best aligned with their beliefs. Um, from that point, I, I kept writing. Yeah, what is the name of the book? My, the, name of the name of that book was God, I Believe. God, I Believe. And um, a, after that, I, I started writing uh, short stories and, and poetry scenarios dealing with many of life's issues and emotions. And that's most of my work deals with experiences that all adults face um, some point in their life, either first person or they know somebody in their family or acquaintance or coworker, you know, who is going through one of these situations. And so the bulk of my work is about life experiences, not mine, but the reader's life experiences. And there's an underlying tone of this balance between, you know, the life I'm living <clears throat> and the spiritual life that is also there, should I choose to bring it into, you know, my balance to try and make me a better person. Um, my most recent, the last two or three years, I've been focusing in on prophecy and end time events. And this is where I see the coronavirus, you know, being played out as one of those prophesized end time events. And I mean, there's others, there's political, economic, social, all of these things that we see taking place today. I believe from my studies, you know, have a reason and a rhyme to them. 
and the underlying, not the cause, but the underlying opportunity from the fallout of these is to become spiritually grounded in order to meet, you know, the cataclysmic personal and society um, event that's taking place. Uh, you know, there's so many people being affected <clears throat> literally in a life and death decision with the coronavirus. Um, you know, people believe what they want to believe, but uh, ignorance is really not a choice because ultimately um, those who choose to defy, you know, science and I don't want to say authority, but those in authority who are trying to stop and prevent and remedy the virus, um, you know, you can believe them and get vaccinated or not, <clears throat> but we've never been in a situation in our lifetimes where people have questioned, you know, the science and the medical field and the authorities so much as they do now, probably to their own peril from what I can understand. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, those kinds of issues that we face, the events we face, have a purpose, and that purpose is, is twofold. It's to help us come to grips with ourselves and our place in society or in our communities, but even more so to come to a spiritual place so that we understand, you know, there's more to life and I need to be prepared for whatever the, the dilemma I face may be. And spiritual grounding gives me that, that strength and that force of understanding to look, you know, to have a remedy, whether I come through the virus or not. Um, there's a light of the end of the tunnel for those who, you know, are spiritually grounded. Yes, uh, that that is that raised me an interesting question because I would like to tell you my experience. So <coughs> during Please. this, yeah, during this pandemic, like last year, the end of last year, I had something called a spiritual a spiritual awakening, and I could not describe it to my parents because they haven't faced it yet. And I think I was the me and my brother were was going through this kind of space and we didn't know what was happening for me it was happening at a faster space I didn't know what was happening right. I, saw, I saw some things I can't describe yeah and yeah let's let's just keep it like uh, anonymous for now it's like okay. I, yeah so I saw some things I really can't tell people because uh, they'll get freaked out and stuff like this and I did see uh, something called a superior being of some sort. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So telling me that oh. uh, everything is going to be fine and stuff like this. And it was, it was, it was such a beautiful kind of um, uh, like feeling at the same time. 
but it was scary mm-hmm. for me because no, nothing has uh, nothing has happened like this in my entire life so yeah i i can understand that and i can identify with it because a similar situation happened to me uh, many years ago it was not not a vision but it was um auditory <laughs> so I, i i understand and and you know i i can believe you i'm not a skeptic at all um you know what you experienced and you know what it meant to you and i had a similar experience so i i'm right with you on that and uh, as you said uh, immediately after that experience i wrote my first book um it's incredible like after that i have never felt like so yeah like mentally stable like i it's like i had an air condition on my mind like if that makes sense it's like a cooling effect and it's like i felt like i didn't feel like i was alone i felt like i had i was being guided for the first time by something like i couldn't explain it and uh, if even if i do explain it to some people they wouldn't believe it right sure so is, is that what spurred you to write the book yes okay because i feel like well i, I yeah i feel like a lot of people i believe it yeah sure should know about it and it exists so what so you're so you're uh, this is you're calling this a spiritual thing right yes okay and what was your belief prior to this experience actually were, um, were you... yes before i was um, like i was completely skeptical about religion and stuff like this and i was more focused on uh, uh believing like science and facts and stuff like this and then <laughs> and then once that particular event took place like i felt like there was so much more to this world that we don't know of and we are completely were you, yeah were you practicing a religion yes i am a buddhist okay right. so yeah so we do pray like um, but i ever since i came abroad it was like not so much because i was more uh, uh, drawn into my studies and stuff like i kind of got, sure. yeah i changed like the culture was different from my country and when i came here it was like a different feeling so i got uh, tried to like fit in with the others so i would say like i was like really far apart from being spiritual at that time sure and yes um so yeah, like uh, i i got a lot of weird signs as well before the awakening that uh, like my spirit uh, was uh, i didn't have any contact with my spirit um they will say right. yeah yeah so are are you would you consider yourself still a buddhist um i have no idea now because like i have seen something okay. that um i have seen something completely different to my religion completely different to okay. yeah different to what i so, before okay so this experience and this vision um what can you put a label on it so i can a little better understand uh 
you mean you want me to give you a religion of uh, what I saw, like a religion? Uh, well, not necessarily. I'm just trying to, I'm, you are practicing Buddhist or a, a Buddhist by knowledge and tradition originally, and then you had the experience. <laughs> and so was it more, do you consider it more of a spiritual experience than a, than a religious or a Buddhist experience? Is it, was it transformational? It was transformational. It was like, it, it, it taught me that like, there's not only like one religion, there's like, every religion is basically different melodies of one song. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I get it. Um, you know, I am a believing Christian, but I believe that Buddha was spiritually inspired by one God, the one God, and his enlightenment was for a specific purpose um, to sort of lay the groundwork, much like Muhammad. Although I think that, see, this is what I believe. I believe there's, you know, like you, one spiritual path. And there's normally one spiritual master, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, you know, Krishna. And when that master <clears throat> dies, his teaching continues. But as is with man and religion in so many instances, when the master is gone, the void that's left begins to be filled with um, political and personal and self-interested people who want the power that goes with the master's teachings, but they're not in that same giving and sharing place. And so religions of and by themselves start to manipulate and morph the teachings into self-serving, you know, rituals and rites and worship, and, and it becomes a, a man-centered instead of a spiritual or God-centered entity. And I think that's the struggle that many people seeking and searching today find. They have a burning need inside for a spiritual connection. But that connection can't be found in religions because religions today in their existence are at the exact opposite of what it is the spirit of God wants for us. <clears throat> so I think you're right. You know, all those religions that we practice and know about have a foundation in the word of God. Yes. But, you know, like say, once the master's out of the picture, the bastards come in and try and use it for power and gain as opposed to spiritual growth and dependency. So I understand completely. I'm just, I'm trying to get a handle on, yeah. <clears throat> you and I are at the same spiritual place. We just express it a little bit differently. Differently, yeah. It's like, but, I yeah. never did this before. Like I would say, 
like I would say like even my even if I tell my parents like they wouldn't believe it because they're so like um, yeah sure into like their own culture and stuff like this and when I tell my experience and what I've learned through my experience it's like they're not very accepting of it yeah and sure. well yeah. That's, yeah that's that's understandable and that's you know no matter what the religion is for people who are not on a spiritual path um you know everything dealing with spirituality is folly they it's interesting that they can't believe that but they can believe people like trump you know it's like there's a disconnect you know you, you believe in the devil but you don't believe in the lord yeah but that's 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 the way of the world that's you know that's the world is not a spiritual place. The world is a physical, you know, spiritual people understand that we are spirits here visiting for a while yes. in order to grow and learn and share. Yes. Non-spiritual people don't understand that concept. That's why when you talk with a spiritual grounded person, there's a connection you understand and you're both, you know, sort of in the same place. I like what you said originally that we're often at different paces on our spiritual path. You know, one of us may be a little further ahead. One of us may be a little further behind, but that can change very easily with our own growth. But being on that spiritual path, we understand that connection because we have that connection. Therefore, it's very difficult for the unbeliever or the non-believer to understand because they're on a different path. They're on the, the world's path, which is all about them, or it's all about me and what's in it for me. If you're a spiritual person, you're not there anymore. You're not, it's not what's for, for you. It's what can I share with those thinking and searching who are still on the path, but want to be where I am on the spiritual path. Because we all have that innate desire burning within us from our creator that we want that spiritual connection. Um, I love what you said because I'm a firm believer that <clears throat> we each come into this physical world as spirits from a creator. And that spiritual connection is part of our life being. And our spirit, that energy, that spiritual energy enters into our soul, which then has a connection with our entire being, our mind and our body. And as long as we haven't, well, I'll speak from the Christian standpoint, as long as I haven't invited Christ into my life, that spirit is there and it gives me an innate understanding of right and wrong. You know, as I grow and become part of my society, I understand that difference between right and wrong. <clears throat> but because my spirit is inactive at that point, I only, you know, my life choices only deal with what's in it for me and the consequence of my choice. When I invite Christ, or in your case, when you have that experience and God shows himself to you 
and you accept that vision for what it is and what it means to you, <clears throat> or for me, when I accept Jesus, his spirit does the same thing for me. It comes and lives with my spirit. And from that moment on, every decision I have to make, every choice I get to make, or every option I have, <clears throat> I can respond by doing it my way, which is the world's way, because that's what I know, being part of the world, or I can do it as my spirit would direct me to do. My response would be a spiritual-based response instead of a self-centered, it's all about me, what can I get out of it response. And <clears throat> when I have that spiritual connection and I call upon that spiritual connection, that spirit enlightens me to understand I have a choice. I can respond one way or I can respond a spiritual way. And should I respond my way or the world's way, then, you know, the consequence could be good, bad, or indifferent. But most of the time, there's a negativity to it because it's a selfish desire. If I respond as my spirit would have me respond, <clears throat> it gives me foreknowledge of the potential consequence of that choice. Because most of the time, what we're experiencing in our choices is something similar to or the same as we've experienced before. You know, take a relationship and you've been in a bad relationship and it ended badly. Okay, well, you already have that experience. So now you're in a new relationship and it's kind of going down the same path, right? And you fight to keep it going and stuff, but the red flags keep coming up. <clears throat> Having experienced that once before, you already know the outcome of that experience should it go down that same path. So when I have that decision to make, if I, I try to put the square peg in a round hole and keep it going for my own personal desires, even when it's not good for me, and when the consequence and the decisions are bad for me, then I already know what the outcome is going to be. Should I go down that path? <clears throat> if I have the spirit of God, the spirit of, you know, spiritual spirit living within me and I face that same situation that spirit helps me guide myself by saying look you've been down this road you know what the outcome is if this behavior continues you've got a different choice yeah it may be hard in the short term to break up but <clears throat> the reality is it's in your best interest so the spirit is trying to guide me to make the decision that's actually best for me now, the great thing about the spirit is it gives us free will to choose. And should we choose to continue down that path that's not going to turn out real well, the spirit will still be there to help us the next time, you know. But every time we choose to follow the spirit, we avoid that hole of adversity that's ahead of us. We step around it instead of jumping back in and then trying to dig ourselves out. So by listening to the spirit of the Lord God within me, who only wants what's best for me, even more than I want what's best for me, then I step around that hole, I end that relationship, I learn from that relationship what I'm willing to put up with and what I'm not willing to put up with, 
what's good for me in the long run. And then I know the next time I'm in a relationship, what to look for and what the red flags are. And when we can reduce the struggle and the conflict of those kind of situations, then we grow and, and we have the ability at that point to change. And the reality is it's that spiritual possession we now have that allows us to see ahead the outcomes of our actions and our choices where before, you know, we're just doing what we want to do because that's what I want to do. And it feels great and yada, yada, but the outcome, even though I already know it may be negative, I go ahead because that's all I know. When you've got that spiritual connection and that spirit living within you to help you see the future, you can step around those holes The great thing about the love of God is when you respond the way your spirit directs you to respond, God smiles upon that choice because we've become an obedient child, an obedient spiritual child of God, of the spirit. And it sounds crazy, but I think you'll understand this. <clears throat> Every time I respond the way the Spirit God would have me respond, He in turn blesses me. He lets me know somehow that He's pleased with my choice to respond as He would have me respond. Or in the case of the Christian, how Jesus would have responded. When I respond as Jesus responded, then I truly am a Christian. When I give lip service to what Jesus said and did, and I go ahead and do what I want to do, I'm not really a Christian. I'm really not spiritually grounded or spiritually based. But when I respond as Jesus would have responded, using him, emulating him, following him as my teacher and my mentor and my Lord, then his father, the God of all of us, is pleased with my response. I'm I'm being an obedient child in my life, just the way Buddha was an obedient child in his life, and Jesus was an obedient child in his life, and Muhammad was an obedient child in his life, prior to their teachings being manipulated and morphed. So, you know, and I can point to many instances in my life over the last half of my life when I've been on the spiritual path that I've acknowledged the Lord working in my life. And, and, and I call that a blessing, you know. Um, the more and the farther down that path I go and the more I respond as a child of God, the more those blessings just become part of my life. And in that happening at this point in my life, it's a, it's a point where the blessing is that relationship, is that spiritual connection to God. It doesn't have to manifest itself in some form or some material gain. The blessing is filling my heart and my psyche and my spirit, just being the obedient child of God. That is the blessing. Yes. Um, and to me, that's what spiritual grounding is all about. 
So that's kind of a yes. rambling path answer, but um, I applaud you for responding. What you've done, just as I did, you've responded to God's call to you for more understanding and changing your life. And are other people going to understand it? Maybe some, most won't because they're not in that place yet. But what we, what you and I have to remember is we were not in that place once also. Yes. We were where they are. And the love of God is so great that what he's done for you and I in revealing himself to us, he will do for them. But they have, you know, the, the, the kicker is they have to be ready. Yes. And when it happens, you know, they got to make that leap of faith. Yeah. Some of them do and some, some of them don't, you know, that's, but the Lord calls on all of us. He tries to make himself known to all of us in a variety of ways. Um, you know, and, and some people have to hit rock bottom before it takes and other people, you know, it's the revelation is enough. Um, I will tell you what happened to me since you've experienced what you've experienced. You'll understand mine. <clears throat> I was a creature of the world for 40 years. And I lived the world's ways and I did some terrible, terrible things. And one night I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and my bedroom was one on one side of the hallway and the bathroom was directly across and I stepped into the hallway and I was alone at that time a voice called out my name in the living room and it startled me I was sort of half awake you know walking <clears throat> to, the, to the bathroom and it startled me so I woke up and I turned and I said, what? And there was no answer. But I realized years later that that was my vision. That was what you experienced. I experienced by ear. And <clears throat> by responding with what? That showed the Lord God that I recognized he was there. Yes, but it was and like in that, isn't it? It was like yes. for me. It was like five minutes in the morning, and I was uh, sleeping in my bed. Um, the thing is that I, I like, I felt uh, a hand coming from, uh, like, touching my head and like going down to my shoulders. And at first, I didn't see what was it, and. Um, until the voice mentioned, can you see me? And then only I saw the figure. Oh. And at that moment, I, I was like, I was sleeping with my brother and I couldn't wake him up at that time. It's like, it's only I had this, I was conscious and I was aware to, uh, to speak, have a conversation with this superior being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was the experience. Well, and, yeah. Well, so see, you, you and I, you and I both have had the same experience in a little bit different way. Yes. But that's that's the Lord 
making his presence known to us. And in our response, in our acceptance of that experience, his spirit now lives within us, within me and within you, because we responded. Had I just kept walking into the bathroom, you know, and not responded, then there would be no reason for him to reciprocate and respond by sending me his spirit. Yes. So you and I have experienced the same thing. So we're on the same spiritual path. Have you also seen symbols? symbols? I'm sorry? Have you seen symbols? I just want to make sure because like I experienced symbols after that vision. Uh, like a lot of symbols well, and geometry. Okay. I, I, I can't say that I've done that, but I have dreams that are vivid and lifelike. And the Lord shows me things in my dreams that, you know, that it's not a symbol thing, but it's an ex like, it's like a dream. It's like, I'm experiencing my dream life like and he he allows me to understand by what's happening in the dream um yes you know he's revealing things to me <clears throat> they're not specific so much but they're specific in terms of how they play out in the dream I, so i know that there's things have he gives me yeah he he, he gave me a number the other night an address. Yes. And, and I have no idea what it means yet, but I anticipate it sometime in the future that address will mean something in my life. The Lord works with different people in different ways so that we can reach different people. Yes. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people in the world who are not Buddhist. There's a lot of people in the world who are not Christian. But God wants us to reach as many as we can. Yeah. And with your Buddhist background and now your spiritual understanding, it allows you to identify what Buddhists believe and understand so that you can share, you know, not necessarily just Buddhists, but with <clears throat> because you've been a Buddhist. You can identify with Buddhists. See, yes. you know, I write for fallen away Christians yes. um, because they've already got that burning inside them. For some reason, the pilot lights on, but there's no gas getting there, right? Yes. And I, I don't. I write for all people. I don't write just for Christians, but for Christians who are interested in what I have to say and what I have to write. I've been a Christian. I am a Christian. So I know where they're coming from. I know the fallacies that so-called Christians who are not Christians by how they behave, but what they believe. So I know where they're at. My job is to try and help get them to a, to a place where they understand where they could be and then help them understand they have a choice and how to make that choice. So I see the same thing in your situation. Having been a Buddhist, you know, your, your calling, your mission, your commission may be to help Buddhists initially 
to understand that spiritual place that you're at, because you can identify with, you know, what they experience um, from their religion and the influence it has on their life and their lifestyle. But it's, it's basically all spiritual. You know, when we get to heaven, whatever heaven may be, but for those who believe in spiritual life hereafter, there will be people of every race and every language and every color and every past religion practice because it's spiritual. It's not religion. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll be there together. Yeah. But our job now is to help those who want to know more, help them understand that what that spiritual connection and grounding has done for you and I, it will do for them as well, because we're no different than they are. We have the same struggles and the same, you know, conflicts and the same stress that they face may play itself out and manifest itself in different ways um, and different means. But that struggle is eternal. That struggle is who am I? Why am I here? And what else is there? And when they identify, this is the problem with celebrity, you know, people who are not celebrities, but are enamored by that lifestyle or those images want to be celebrities and want to do the things that celebrities have done to get them to that place. People who desire spiritual understanding and spiritual growth want to be in that same place that you and I are in. You know, people often ask me, well, you know, you, your life is so blessed with so many things. You know, I want what you've got. How can I get that? And my answer is simple. You know, you turn to God. You, you find out who God is and what he's all about and what his purpose for your life is. And when you have that spiritual connection, I promise he will do in your life what he's done in my life. Because I used to be where you're at. I used to be in that place of struggle and conflict. And when I decided to change my life and go in a different direction, go in a spiritual direction instead of the world's direction, then my life changed. And the further down the path I went, the better my life has become. And he will do that same thing for you. But as missionaries, all you you and I can do is explain it. You know, we can't force them or coerce them or cajole them into doing it. It has to be their choice. You know, the interesting thing about God is he demands nothing of people except one thing. Before they die, they have to understand and concede that he is real and that he exists and that he, you know, is the creator of our world and of us. And he wants us to be back with him after we've completed this journey. But that's a decision every individual has to make. And sadly, you know, most people are not going to make that decision. That's just the truth, you know, of life. And they're not going to make that decision for a whole variety of reasons. One of them is their religion and their, you know, faith beliefs. 
<clears throat> but there has to, there's all kinds of political, economic, social, you know, there's all kinds of variables that keep people from becoming spiritually grounded. But that's why I think it's important that people like you and I, you know, we have to do what we're supposed to do, and that's to share not only our experience, but the purpose and the why of our experience, and to let them know that they have that same choice to experience that same fulfillment. Uh, and I always tell people, it's really easy. It's really simple. It, it really is simple, but it's not always easy, you know. The, the the thing that I find, <clears throat> the reason we have so many fallen away Christians, um, and I can't speak to the other religions, but so many fallen away religious people, ones who by choice are not forced to continue in their religion, but fall away. Um, but I, I know for Christians, for sure, one reason is when they have, you know, when they desire to have that spiritual experience that we've had, but it doesn't come, you know, they're sucked back into their old life, right? But when it does come, and, and it always will come in some form or fashion, but it might not be as dramatic as yours and mine. Mm. But when it comes, they expect, you know, okay, I believe now, so everything should change and everything should be yeah. great. You still have to do the hard and that, Yeah, look hard. Yeah, and, and it's not, it's not a, a one and done kind of a thing. And the 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 prince of this world, his desire is to have every soul worshiping him. So once you decide to become spiritual grounded, the ways of the world and the evil in the world will do all it can to knock you off that path, to dissuade you from going down that path. And so for, for many first-time or new Christians, they expect everything to be great. And all of a sudden, it is worse than it was before. And they say, God, where are you? You know, I, I gave it to you. I turned it all over to you, and you've abandoned me. Well, you know, everything in life is a test or a temptation to see a, what choice we'll make, and then B, will we stick with that choice? And the more times that people get on the path and fall off the path, the more difficult it is to get back on the path and even more difficult to stay on the path. You know, it's a matter of perseverance. But just like you've experienced, you had that experience, and now you continue to have that experience reinforced so that you know, okay, I can't turn away from this. This is something that, you know, uh, the way it makes me feel is better than without it. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's not like a drug, but it has that same kind of, I want more of this understanding. I want more of this feeling. I want more of this knowledge because yes. I know innately that it's better for me. It's better for my life. And, you know, when you are in that place, it's much easier to turn away from the tests and the temptations and rely on that spiritual grounding and that spiritual connection. And the more we do rely on it, 
the easier our life becomes. I have to tell you the last, you know, my first 40 years was a lot of ups and a lot of downs and <clears throat> got more and more beneficial or rewards, but it got more and more desperate. And, and finally, you know, I was homeless for a while and I was in prison for a while and I did a lot of bad things, hurt a lot of people. When I got off that path, <clears throat> and got on a spiritual path, you know, it was like 10 years before getting to ground zero. I mean, it wasn't overnight kind of stuff. It was literally 10 years before my next, I had three epiphanies. One changed my life, one changed my name, and one changed my belief, my understanding. But, you know, that was over a 10-year period. So at the end of 10 years, okay, I finally got to square one. Now I can begin to apply what I've learned and what I believe. And so for the last, you know, 25 years, that's how I've lived my life. And my life now is literally without stress, without conflict, and without struggle. I'm in a great relationship. All of my needs are met and fulfilled, and I know what my my you know I know what my duty is now. I know what my service is now, but it didn't happen overnight. It, it's taken you know thirty five years to undo what the first thirty five years did by my own choice. <clears throat> I do understand it. And you also, I want to ask you a question because you talked about life having so many tests and lessons. So do you think the COVID-19 pandemic is a lesson for everybody? Of course. If, if, you, if you know biblical scripture, in Matthew 24, Jesus in his own words lays out some of the things about the end times, about the last days. And... <clears throat> What we label as COVID-19 is one of those things, um, just like SARS was, right? Just like polio was. This is not, COVID-19 is not unusual. It's just the next pandemic. But because, of, because our world now is so small and so um, uh, transportable, because we can get across the world in a day, Viruses can get across the world in a day. <clears throat> so it, it's just the next pandemic. And there'll be another one after this and another one after this. However, you see that with each one of these, and I don't care, you can go back, back to the plague, you know, in the Middle Ages. People get it, people die, people recover, you know, people find a way to combat it. And we have vaccines now. So, and, you know, luckily or blessed for us, we have science that can get us the vaccine in a matter of months, as opposed to a matter of years. So the kind of death we might see, you know, comparatively is like the plague or polio or some of these other, uh, the flu, you know, at one point the flu killed a lot of people, right? Spanish flu. Well, we have vaccines for the flu now. So, but every year, it comes back up and people get the flu and a certain amount of people die. Well, Corona, 
is just another virus and it's mutations now. See, we would have never realized about the mutations before if we didn't have the science we have today. It would have just been the flu or the coronavirus flu and, and you would have got the mutation, but they didn't know it was a mutation. So it was just the flu and you were sick or you were ill or you died. <clears throat> um, all of these things are part of life and they're all part of what's, you know, the struggle of life. But yes, I believe the coronavirus from a scientific stand is just the next virus that's, you know, mute, uh, infected us and mutated and is killing great numbers of people or making great numbers of people ill until we can get the world vaccinated, whatever that looks like. And even then next year, it'll be back and you'll have to get a booster shot and, you know, it just will become the next flu. However, <clears throat> as a believer and a student of prophecy and what's been foretold, I believe that coronavirus, COVID-19, the reason it's so deadly and widespread is to wake people up. Yes. To, look, the saddest thing in my opinion, in my estimation, the saddest thing for people who die of coronavirus is if they are not spiritually connected, oh, their it. opportunity for yeah. Their opportunity for eternal life may be, you know, gone. So I think that <clears throat> that's why anything that happens that's adverse, you know, is, is a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. It's to help you realize, look, you know, life happens and death is part of life. And I could get the coronavirus, especially at my age and my, you know, health maladies that I've experienced make me a prime candidate for death. Well, I'm going to do all I can to make sure that doesn't happen. But if it does happen, the important thing is, am I in a place where I believe that if I don't survive coronavirus, that there is a place for me after this? That's my choice again. I can believe or not believe. <clears throat> but, you know, all of these things that take place, and I'll give you some Donald Trump, okay? Christ tells us, Jesus tells us in the end times, Good will be evil and evil will be good. And, you know, people will believe the lie and not believe the truth. Yeah, yeah, and, true. yeah. You know, so from a political standpoint, that's Trump. Trump is, Trump is destroyed. Trump has, he has been the catalyst which will bring this country to its knees. Um, but whether it's political or economic, Economic, it's the great reset that's going to come and how we get to a one world monetary system. You know, all the things that have to take place for the prophesized end times to happen won't happen overnight. They're all incremental, step-by-step -step thing. If, if, you, if somebody stepped on the world stage today and said, I'm going to be the dictator of the world, you know, people would not accept it. So in order for that to happen, for order, in order for there to be a one world religion, a one world economy, a one world dictator, certain things have to preclude that step by step in order to a point where people will believe it and accept it. Again, Trump is the perfect example. 
10 years ago, you know, and I'm not an Obama fan per se, but when Obama was in office 10 years ago, if you told somebody 10 years from now, the, the country would be what it is, they wouldn't have believed it. And yet in this election, half the people in this country voted for Trump. You know, and, and everybody admits what a liar and what a charlatan he is. And yet that doesn't make any difference. So when the Antichrist hits the stage, it's going to be the same thing. People are going to know he's the epitome of evil, but it's going to be okay because they've been, you know, so mentally reconditioned that this is what life is now that they're going to go along with it. Well, for all of those end time things to take place, one world religion, one world economy, one world monetary system, you know, one world leader, they have to have step by step so that they can be accepted and promoted and endorsed. And so I think coronavirus is one example of people being tested to establish a belief beyond yourself and to understand God is trying to tell us you've got to get right spiritually because the end is coming. And for, you know, for what, 3 million people, the end has been coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So in every aspect of life, economics, religion, social, political, all of those things are changing and morphing for a final position and place in order for the end times to take place as, as prophesized in, in the books of Revelation and other prophecies. And we're experiencing those things as well. But I don't care. You, you, know, you may go out today and be hit by a bus. You know, if you're not right with God, whoever your God is, then you've lost that opportunity. And I think that coronavirus serves two purposes, to help people understand you're not immortal and life can end pretty quickly for you and you need to be right with your God. And, you know, um, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the science and the doctors? Or are you going to believe Trump? No, I am not going to choose any side. <laughs> because I think that if you choose, definitely choose a side, there you will end up with more problems, more stress. I think it's better to trust yourself. Yeah, like, well, but yeah, I, I agree. But here's the problem. And, and now, the problem is most people are choosing sides. Yes, they're you know they're more intent on. I'm going to use Trump again as an example, choosing a side, Trump or not Trump, than they are in being responsible for their own choices in their own life. Look, Trump has virtually no effect on me per se. I get some trickle down, but I'm not dependent upon. Anything that happens, my life is beyond that. Yeah. My life is about making choices for me that are in my best interest. And yeah. those happen to be spiritual choices. Too many people are caught up in 
you know, what somebody else is doing, what the celebrities are doing or, or all this and not taking responsibility for their own choices in their own life. So I don't disagree with you. I, I, it's not a matter of choosing sides, but it's a matter of not choosing any of that and getting back to choosing what's best for you. How can you be a better person in your life for your family and your community? I can't change the world, but I can certainly be the best person I can be and come from my highest loving self with all the people that I come in contact with every day. And that's not very many people, but that's my, that's my choice and my responsibility is to be, look, God tells us as a Christian, two things, love God first and most, love your brother as yourself, treat your brother as yourself, treat others as you want to be treated. And that's how I live my life. So whatever choices they want to make is up to them. But I will treat you the way I want to be treated. And that's all I can do is be the best person I can be. I can't change the world regardless of what yeah. the powers to be do in the world. Yeah, but that's have, not my job. I have a different perspective to the world. And I think that um, I think that not many will agree with my thoughts. And obviously, exactly. yeah. So I, they I won't, my but... choice is my choice. So I live for my exactly. Look, I always tell people, Christ at his pinnacle of popularity had like 500 people, right, who would follow him around. <clears throat> of those 500, he had maybe two dozen who were with him all the time. Of those two dozen, he had 12 who were his inner core. And of those 12, he had one who denied him, one who betrayed him, and, and one who doubted him. So out of those, out of all the people living on the planet at the time, he had nine people who were actually enamored enough with him to listen and believe. Yes. Okay. Well, you and I are in the same place. We live in a world with 7 billion people, and there's probably nine who might be interested in what we have to say. Exactly. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. <clears throat> they can believe what they want to believe and what they need to believe. My job and your job is to let them know that there's something else as well. They have a choice. They have an option. And for us, that option includes a spiritual connection. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, if, if I could get if I could get nine hardcore believers, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, me they, too. they 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 don't want to believe. And that's that's the thing. It's like I said earlier, you can do all you can do, but people have to want to try it. They have to want to believe in order to give it the energy. And as long as they're consumed, the only time they ever turn to a spiritual answer is when they're in the depths of despair. Yeah. You know, when they've given up and they finally turn to God and say, save me from this situation, you know? And then as soon as they're out of that situation, they go right back to being their old way. But you're supposed to you know, that, like uh, God is your best friend, like every day, every, probably every night, you have to like speak to him, even when you're happy, even when you're sad, both ways. Of course, you carry on a conversation with him 
all the time. You know, there's so many things that happen in my life that are just so simple. You know, like I have a fox who comes and steals my chickens. I've lost 15 chickens in the last three months. And every day he doesn't come and take a new chicken. I thank the Lord that he sent him somewhere else for dinner. Yeah, you have to talk to, when you have a relationship with God, you always want to be talking to God. It, it doesn't matter what he does. And he knows your needs. He tells us, I know your needs. So if he knows my needs, I don't need to worry about that. He'll provide for me. My desire, my job is to have a relationship with him that's one-on-one -on -one that he and I can talk just like you and I are talking. And I believe that to be so. And he continues to show me in our conversations all the time that he's there and he's listening and he understands and he wants what's best for me. Even when my, you know, the branch part of me wants something else. Um, you know, people, people only believe what they want to believe. And this is the struggle until they somehow experience it at a level where it, the light bulb clicks on you and I can tell them, whatever and they're going to go yeah okay there's another one you know yeah. trying to convert me trying to convince me trying to make me be somebody who i'm not you know who i don't want to be okay you know my job is to plant seeds mm. i don't water them <clears throat> i just i just scatter them i just plant them god will water the ones you know and and whether they go hey that guy's got something to say maybe i'll read one of his books or maybe i'll read you know, I post stuff all the time. It's all free. It's on my website and on my um, channel. And all of it is about becoming a better person, you know, handling your interpersonal relationships coming from your highest loving self. You know, most people struggle and most people make excuses and rationalize and blame other people. And at the core of the issue is always their inability to face themselves. Yes. Most people, you know, the problems they have, they want to put on to somebody else because they don't want to look at themselves. When you have spiritual grounding, you have the strength to look at your inadequacies and your, inex and your insecurities and realize, you know what, I'm not alone. Yeah. Other people have the same struggle. They have the same insecurities. Yeah, and you know that. what? We make mistakes all the time. Yeah. Exactly. That's what life is all about. As long as you learn from the mistake and you don't make the same mistake again. Yeah. The, you know, that's, that's, when, that's what growth is about, when you don't make the same mistake again. And real growth is about when you can see it right away and eliminate it. Let me give you an example. If you've got two minutes. When I was first married, I was a, I was a real hard person to live with. And when something went wrong in my relationship with my wife, I would clam up and I wouldn't speak. And I would go two weeks without addressing the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when I addressed it, we usually had a fight and it blew up. When I learned and when I got spiritually grounded and when I applied it, I now, if I was in that same situation and I would have a, you know, an issue with my wife. It'd be like 30 seconds. Well, that didn't happen overnight. You know, the two weeks <clears throat> became 10 days. 
And the 10 days became a week and the week became four days and the four days became two days and the two days became one day and the one day became 30 seconds. So when there's a disagreement, <clears throat> you know, now I immediately see what my part of that is and why. And I understand that 99% of the time it's my issue and I apologize and we move on. That's real growth. When you take that struggle that you've created in a problem that may not even really exist, and you've taken that two weeks of misery and reduced it down to one minute, that's growth. Yes. You can only do that with spiritual grounding, and you can only reduce that to immediate understanding the stronger your spiritual grounding is. But if you have that spiritual grounding and it is that strong, then when those flashpoints happen, you can immediately take personal responsibility, apologize if you need to apologize, come up with a workable solution for both of you and move on in a loving relationship instead of making each other or me making you miserable for two weeks. It's called growth and it takes a while to get there. It's not simple, but it is easy. But you have to, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Yes. And today, people don't want to be vulnerable. You know, they think it makes them weak. The truth is, yeah. that's where your strength really lies in your vulnerability to admit, I was wrong. I'll take responsibility. I'll suffer the consequence, whatever that is. But you know what? I won't do that again. Yeah. So how can you encourage this global community to trust themselves in a world that seems so unsteady? Um, you, you, you live by example. Yes. You come from your highest loving self. When negative people and negative energy try to get into your life and suck the life out of them, you don't allow it. Yes. You stop. You stop right there. You say, you know what? I'd love to help you. And you listen to their story. And if you can help them, you give them your two cents of advice. But if you can't help them, you know, you tell them, I, I can't help you with that. You probably need to, you know, see somebody else. And then the next time you see them, the thing about people is, you know, once you give them an opportunity they will start coming back to you and telling you the same tale of woe over and over and over again, you know, and they want you to give them the answer, but they really don't. They just want somebody to bitch to and listen to their story. And the minute you cut that negative energy off and you say, I'd love to help you, but you know what? You've already told me this story and I couldn't help you before, so I can't help you now. So let's move on. Well, you know, what happens is they'll quit coming around because their need is to tell somebody their tale of woe. Yeah. They really don't want to fix it. <clears throat> they just want to be able to complain about it. And if you won't listen, they'll go find somebody else who will. And you don't have to put up with it anymore. You have to cut off the negative energy in your life. That would be my advice. You want to make your community better? Come from your highest loving self and everything you say and do. Treat others the way you want to be treated. 
and cut off any negative energy and say, you know, that's not my job. I can't help you. And, and you'll find that negative people will stay out of your life. You'll only have good people with good energy coming into your life. And the ones you can help, you help. But yeah. the way we help them is to get them spiritually grounded. We can't do what God can do. Yeah, I agree with that. The people who are going to die from it, you know, are going to die from it. Yeah, it's a question of faith. Well, all we can do is try and get everybody vaccinated, and we're not going to be able to get to everybody in time. I mean, you know, can people are going to continue to die for the next couple of years from what we're experiencing now, and they're going to continue to die, you know, next year and the year after that and year after that from all the mutations and from people not getting booster shots. I mean, if, yes. I, I believe in the greater good. I would like to do everything we can for the greater good. That's not the way the world operates. But if we could get as many vaccinated as quickly as possible, that would be the greater good. You know what I believe the greater good would be? If people can fix the errors of um, the uh, vaccines because people are dying from the vaccines or having uh, uh, severe issues. If you look at uh, America's frontline doctors, they tell you the results of the, some of the vaccines. And um, some people, some countries have actually voted uh, to stop the spread of it. Because I, so I think the greater good will be um, actually evaluating the vaccines for the long term. As, sure. Yes. And yeah, it, they're not yeah before giving it to the public because everybody's kind of skeptical about the situation at hand. Well, yeah, if you're skeptical, you know, then you're you're rolling the dice. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, some of the vaccines are not going to work, and some of them, you know, may have. There's not a, a cure all for for everything. Um, Thank you. I think that. Let me put it this way. I think that vaccines should be made available to all those on the planet who want to take the vaccine. For those who don't want to take it, okay, I, I don't think you should be forced to take it, no matter if it's a religious belief or you know um, vaccine adversity belief. I don't care which. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. That's up to you. And are there going to be some vaccines that you know don't work 100 percent? Of course, are there going to be some that may even, you know, be toxic in and of themselves? Of course, um, you know, I, I think the greater good is trying to solve an issue, solve a problem. Yes. The, the dynamics of that, you know, come down to self-choice and self-responsibility. Um, if my, my point is, if you don't want to take the vaccine and you want to risk death, okay, I'm okay with that. That's not part of my stick. My stick is get right with God so that if you die from not having the vaccine or you die from getting the vaccine, you know, you have hope and faith and a, a chance for life hereafter. That's where I'm coming from. I really don't care whether you take the vaccine or not. Um, that's your choice and your responsibility my job is to try and help you get to a place of spiritual grounding so that if you 
do die from the vaccine or from not taking the vaccine, you've got some life hereafter. That's where my, my desire comes. I'm not of this world any longer. Now, I have to be honest, I don't care. I don't care if you take the vaccine or not. I don't care if you die or not. You know, I tell my children and my grandchildren, the worst thing I can imagine is be, having life everlasting in the presence of God and you not being there. Yeah. That, you know, cuts me to the core here and now. And to live forever in the, in the presence of God without you experiencing that with me is just the worst thing I can imagine. Yes, and that's what I feel. Huh? When we we given life to experience that uh, in the first place, I think that we were given uh, given life to experience a spiritual calling, especially during this time, since everybody's uh, at home and uh, they are working at home. So it it gives them the time to actually witness one spiritual calling. I think exactly, yeah. exactly. You've, you've got the, the yeah. You've got more time now. Your your attention is not drawn away now as much as it is, is before. So you've got time to experience and explore spirituality. Um, you know, what I was going to say is that same feeling of the presence of my family members being with me eternal, that's what I want for my community. That's what I want for my neighborhood. That's what I want, you know, for my state. That's what I want for the world is for us to all be together with God Almighty forever, whatever that might look like in, in your realm of belief. I don't care as long as we're there together. Yeah. Short of that, you know, you can, your life is your life to live. I, I can't, I can't even, you know, my kids, I disagree with them a lot, but they're choosing their life according to what they're experiencing. I know really very little about them other than the people they are. Yes. My life, you know, is my choices. Their life is their choices. Um, my kids and I disagree on a lot of political things. They yeah. even disagree with me on, oh, on spiritual things. Like I'm the same with me and me and my dad. We always disagree on most of the things. So it's the same. <laughs> yeah, they might they disagree with me, but I, I'm not going to let up on them because I want them there with me eternally. Um, that's all. I, I want everyone. If everyone came from that spiritual place, you know, our world would be a different place. Yeah. It's not, but I can, I can, in my life, that's what I can do. I can come from my highest loving self and treat others the way I would like to be treated in any situation, period. And if I can do that, then living that example is what I have to give the world, that it can be done. See, the one thing that Jesus Christ showed us was no matter what the situation is, it can be done. Yeah. That spiritual relationship can exist. And I can come from my highest loving self, no matter the situation, even as hard as it might be, it can be done. That's why for a Christian, he is the epitome, the example to emulate in any situation. You know, I always, in every situation, I ask myself, 
if I, if I can't decide, what would Jesus do? And it's so trite and so, you know, it's been so manipulated, but it's the truth. They've been asking that question for 2,000 years, and it's still the same question. In this situation that I currently face and what I have to decide, what would Jesus do? And if I'm a follower of Jesus and a believer in him, then I do what he would do. And if I'm not, you know, I do something else. Okay. All I, all I can do is, is treat you the way I want to be treated in our interaction. And if anything I say, you know, triggers something for you and you say, gee, I'd like to know more, then, then you know, I'm ready to answer to my best of my ability what it is the person is asking. But everything I try to, to impress upon them is spiritually grounded because I know after 73 years of life, what life without a spiritual grounding looks like and what life with a spiritual grounding looks like. And I would never go back. You couldn't offer me any fame, any fortune, anything in the world to change my life and go back. Okay, Branch. Okay. Not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So how, as the world, in your perspective, lost the significance or meaning of their own life? Well, I think a lot of people in the world today don't have and believe in their own life. They're, they spend all their time and all their energy and all their money trying to emulate someone else's life. Primarily, celebrities come to mind or anybody who has fame and fortune because this world, you know, is a world of material greed and excess. The more we put our faith and our belief and our understanding in things, instead of in our own humanity and person-to-person -person benefit, uh, the more I give up who I truly am. I'm trying to be somebody else. You know, I'm trying to emulate some pop idol or, or some famous person. So if that's the focus of my energies, I don't have a life of my own. I don't even know who I am. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm spending every, I'm spending all my energy trying to be somebody I'm not. And well, what that does is it only magnifies my own insecurities and my own failures to become that person. So I feel worse and worse about myself. And then I start to beat myself up about it. And then because I beat myself up about it, I start to look for escapes, you know, to make myself feel better about it. And that can be drugs, sex, rock and roll, spending money, you know, whatever the escape mechanism may be. And then I've totally lost myself and I don't know who I am. I'm just taking up space that, at that point and causing problems for everybody in my life. Talk about dysfunction. That's the core of dysfunction. Is so what not, are the questions you can ask yourself to get rid of that uh, 
kind of sensation to go out of that sensation what kind of questions you can ask yourself like i'm so focused on what my purpose is and what i have to do in this lifetime that and i write it down i journal it a lot so so I, like i can fix my thoughts into one book so i can reread uh, re it every time i think of something new okay that that works i mean you know if it works for you that works for you i don't know um what questions i'm not a you know psychoanalyst or psychologist or or any of those things and and to be able to answer your question a i would have to have that kind of education and b i would have to have that kind of time because that to answer that question um is for somebody to you know, really have the time and the energy and the desire to look inside themselves. And I did that. Um, like, I did that uh, constantly. I said, I actually questioned, why am I here? Like, what, what is my purpose in life? If I want what? to help humanity, yeah, if I want to help humanity, how can I do that? How can I do that okay. in my own way? and i kept on like writing that for like during this entire pandemic i was writing all those like questions and i would write try to write the answer for it and that's how like yeah yeah i i think that's great that's as good a good a way and good as answer as any um yeah i i would i would encourage you to share that with people to help them you know, get on that path and take those steps. Um, will they do it? Who knows? I mean, you know, this is the problem. This is one of the problems of life today. We are so consumed with layer upon layer upon layer of life and responsibilities and desires and, you know, and that, it, it buries us. It also plays a role, a culture also plays a role because like we are born into thinking this is the way it should be while it's opposite. Well, I, I think, you know, if I, to answer your question, yeah. to try and answer, I think you answered it. Um, <clears throat> the number one question that I would suggest people ask is why am I here? Yes. You know, who am I and why am I here? And that would be the place to start. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, you know, you're finding your purpose. Um, <clears throat> that's a real blessing because most people, you know, never find a purpose in life. They, and, they don't yeah. understand, and I you think, know, I that we all have a purpose. Yeah. I, I've been doing this throughout my entire life, but I like I was like not fully aware that I could do this, you know? I was sure. I was thinking that I first need a degree. I need uh, uh, first a degree. Uh, I need to study, get all these uh, kind of status, and then uh, maybe do something by myself or get hired by a job first. And I, I used to have that mentality, maybe I'm not good enough. And then my friend would tell me, but the way you talk to me and the way you write, tells so much about you that nobody even knows. And, well, all yeah. I can say, no, I, I understand completely. And, and I want to tell you, 
I want to remind you the trigger of your understanding was your experience, your vision, yes. right? I mean, your whole life, you're telling me that your whole life you've had this, this connection, this desire, this innate ember burning within you to help humanity, to share, to teach, to, to do these things, right? your whole life you've known your whole life that it's there right and it keeps kind of trickling and showing you things and then what happens you have your experience right you have your vision and now you know and now it makes all sense right all of those little inklings that you had throughout your life have coalesced and now you know why yes it's the spiritual it's your spiritual grounding and your spiritual understanding that makes sense of all of those times before that sort of intrigued you because it, it triggered something in you that you knew was good and right and positive, but, you know, it, it, it never, never came together. You have your, your vision, your experience, and now your subsequent experiences, and now all of those things make sense. Yes. It does. Yes. Yeah. Because previously I was, okay. I was doing it some subconsciously. I didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't right. know that this was a talent or something like this. I was just doing it like right. a, I like being a psychologist of some sort. And right. Right. It, that's yeah. that's that's yeah. when your spirit remember your spirit was there, but it was inactive. Yes. You knew right from wrong, but you didn't know anything out why or the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. You have your spiritual experience and your spirit then, you know, becomes active. It becomes alive with the spirit of God now working within you. Now it all makes sense. So again, what's the difference? The spiritual connection, the spiritual grounding, the spiritual growth. That's what's missing in the world today. That's what people don't understand. What's the problem in the world today? It's not on spiritual path. It's on the world's path. Yes. Who's the prince of the world? The devil. Yes. We're, we're walking the wrong path. Now, the other path is still there. It's out there. And there's lots of people trying to tell us, you know, get on this path, be on this path, try this path, think about this path. But we're so consumed and so overwhelmed with our world and what we think the world expects of us and what we've kind of boxed ourselves in in our activities and our beliefs that we think that's all bullshit that's all folly that's all craziness over there the spiritual stuff is just a way for me to give up control of the things that i want to do and be who i want to be and the reality is the people who are in that place <clears throat> spend every day struggling and every day wondering, and every day doubting, and every day worrying, their entire lives are consumed with who they think they want to be, and why, and how to make that happen. <clears throat> and the reality is, the thing that's missing that will take them away from all of that intrigue and trauma and drama is the spiritual connection, the spiritual grounding, 
the spiritual connection with God will help you understand that all of that stuff is craziness. It isn't who you are. Who you are is a kind, loving person who only wants to get along. Look, what's missing in everybody's life? Love. What is everybody craving? Approval. Yeah. Those two are at odds. Okay. I can't be a loving person and kind and generous and understanding in my actions and my responses and my behavior if I'm focused on myself and wanting everybody's approval. Yes. What do I care what they think? Exactly. Well, I don't, if I am, if I'm grounded enough in myself and who I am, that I'm worthy of God's love. If I'm worthy of his love and I reflect that love in my life, then all the trauma and drama and all the negative energy will go somewhere else. Look, love Love conquers all. Okay. Yeah. It's it's what it's what this life is all about. The purpose of life is to understand love, to understand the love of God and the love of God He has for you, just because of who you are and just because you're His creation, not because of what you call yourself, not because of your title, not what you've accomplished, not what you do, not what you say, not what you, you know. Do good, bad, or different. He loves you regardless. And when we understand that, we can only understand that if we have a spiritual connection with him. But once we have that connection, we understand that we are worthy of his, of his love. Therefore, if I emulate that love and I express that love in my life with the people who come into my life, how do I do it? by treating them the way that I would like to be treated by them. You know, there's nothing more than I could do. What more could I want? And all of those other things that the world wants to put on me, so I doubt myself, and I doubt who I am, and I doubt that I'm worthy to be loved. If God doesn't love me, how can I expect my wife to love me? Right? But if God loves me for who I am with all my faults and all my insecurities and all my vulnerabilities, and I'm okay with that, and I can still be the best person I can be, then perhaps my wife loves me just for who I am and not for what kind of car I drive or house I have or what my title is. We have to either select, are we going to live a spiritual grounded life are we going to continue to struggle with the world's ways? And the only way you discover that is by taking the leap, making the choice, and trying to get spiritually grounded. You have gotten spiritually grounded. So now you understand what all those precursors were about. And you now have a defined purpose that you want to pursue in your life with the people who come into your life. Yes. You know, that's all I could want for anybody in the world. Because if they could be where you are, 
Yes, actually, I have a good business idea uh, ever since uh, the awakening. I want to like restructure the current edu education system. Like, if I restructure it, everybody gets spiritually grounded uh, in earlier. Uh, those who want to attend this type of school, they get uh, spiritually grounded at an early age. So they're on the right path. Plus, I want it to be like for 15 year olds and above because we are always learning. I mean, just because you finished uh, school or university doesn't mean that you stopped, you completely stop studying and you start working for the rest of your life. If you are, you need to learn all the time. I mean, we are reading all the books. I mean, education doesn't stop right there. So that's what I want to do with my life. And I want a huge team full of people, spiritual teachers, authors, and so we can speak about the books. And this is what I, I like doing, you see. Uh, I think this... Good. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great goal and a great inspiration. Yeah, because this is how mm -hmm. I think I can make the world a better place. <laughs> well, I applaud you, and I I hope you are extremely successful in doing that. There's nothing I would like more um, than to see you share what you now understand yes. with others who want to know. And believe me. Most people in the world actually do want to know. We each have within us a burning desire put there by God to come to know him and, and find out how we get back to him after this experience is over. Yes. And like I said before, that's why he has people all over the world of different colors, different nationalities, different tongues, different beliefs who are spiritually grounded. He has them working for him and in his name, you know, in their areas with the people who come into their lives. Um, that's, that's another, you know, reason I believe that it's so important because I believe we're in the end times. There's going to be more and more people like you who are sharing and, and you know, igniting this great revival of spiritual consciousness um, before the end comes there's going to be a great awakening. And for that to happen, there has to be people all over the world, you know, spiritually grounded people who are willing and can express themselves and share this information with those, you know, who are hungry and thirsty for it, but aren't sure how or where to get it. So I want you to go and do it, girl. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, the, 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 the Bible says that the prophet is never accepted in his own hometown. Yes. It's never. So that's, you know, that <laughs> never accepted by the ones he grew up with, never accepted by his loved ones. They, they don't see, they, they know the old you. Yes. They don't understand the new you, the spiritual you. Yes. But that's okay. That's our challenge. That's our challenge is to, <clears throat> to um, help them take the blinders off. Yeah. You know, we, we can't think of them as our family. Uh, we, we have to think of them just as another person who's thirsting for truth. Yeah. And if they're thirsting for the truth and we help them take the blinders off, <clears throat> you know, when they come to that spiritual place, they'll only love us more because they finally realize who we really are. Yeah. 
course. Well, you know, once we have a relationship with God, um, he gives us that desire to know him more so we can come closer to him more every day and we can be more like him every day. So that's a, that's a, you know, that's the joy of spiritual relationship is it fills our hearts and our minds like nothing else will. There's nothing in the material world that can fill that void within us like the word of God, you know, like that relationship. And so once we have it, you know, we just have a natural desire to have more and to be closer to him. So I'm happy to be, help you on that path and, and maybe give you a seed to think about. Thank you so much for being in this podcast because I learned a lot from you as well. And Thank you so much, Branch Iso, for uh, joining us into your podcast. And guys, make sure you subscribe. Um, give me your feedback. If you want us to talk about one specific topic, you can always send us a DM through Ateo Education System. We are on Instagram. Please follow, follow us, send us a message, and also subscribe to Teo Academy and Teo the Pandemic Press. We are available on any device. I am your host, Rashti Hevawasam, and I am signing out.